0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. WQXR in conversation.
1: In these strange and uncertain times, it's become more important than ever to find ways to step back, breathe and take stock. My guest today The pianist and composer Chad Lawson may have just the right music for that purpose. His new album, Stay, was released last week on DECA. And we spoke recently over Zoom about the new album, his compositional process, and the value of simplicity. I'm Zev Kane, the host of WQXR's show Latest Greatest, and you're listening to WQXR Classical New York in Conversation. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about your compositional process. I know in the past, you move very quickly. You've written, recorded, even mastered full-length albums in a single day or a couple of days. Was this album similarly quick work, or being at Abbey Road, did that prolong everything? Actually, it was kind of a luxury. Most
0: albums I do are in one or two days as far as writing and recording. And it's because I literally just wait for my mind to say... Okay, it's time to write. I won't sit down. I won't spend time on it. I will just wait for melodies to start coming into my head. And then when those melodies are just literally shouting at me, that's when I'm like, okay, let's sit down and write. Melody to me is the most important thing. Like I have a large jazz background. I spent a lot of time in jazz. And then, you know, I grew up playing classical. And when I, want to listen to something that's going to inspire me it's always classical music because the driving force behind it is melody. I jokingly talk about this. There's a song called It's Raining Tacos. And it's exactly the song that my six-year-old wakes up to every single day. Alexa, play It's Raining Tacos. Well, who is and this it's, Raining
1: Tacos by? Can you give me some I don't even
0: know. My God. I, I, it's one of those things where it's like I, I almost beg you not to listen to it because as soon as you do, you're never going to get it out of your head. But that's the point of a melody is like being able to walk down the street and like pull up you know, a piece of, of music, the melody is so beautiful. You know, let's take Fear Elise, for instance, you know, it's such a very simple piece, but if you look at it, creating that kind of melody is so beautifully complex. And it's one of those pieces where it's instantly recognizable. And so with this album, Stay, and that was my purpose in this, is really focusing on what is a melody?
1: could you walk me through a melody that you're particularly proud of and maybe what the inspiration for it was or how it got put together, how you ended up then figuring out what harmonies you wanted to underlie that melody? So it's one of those things where it's like, what would Chopin do?
0: You know, a couple of years ago, I did an album called the Chopin Variations. And that really just opened up so many ideas for me where I took the sheet music and I analyzed it like a jazz chart. And what surprised me the most was relatively how simple his chord progressions were. It just really surprised me. And so it all came down to simplicity with writing this album. It's just like, how simple can I keep it? The challenge for me was taking really simple chord patterns and creating melodies over them as a composer, I always thought it was the other way around, like creating really complex chords and then putting the melody. And that just didn't really work. So even with this piece Rain, the melody is a super, super, super simple. So if we look at that melody.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it could be straight from the slow movement of a Mozart piano concerto. Exactly.
0: And so that's really what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to mimic him or something, but just like I really studied particularly Mozart because... It really is how simple can you make it, and still just like super strong. And so that really was the inspiration behind this whole album. was just like, get out of the headspace and get into
1: the heart space.
0: And hopefully that's what I've achieved.
1: So, how do you have the restraint to take that simple idea and maybe just let it be a simple idea without much adornment or development?
0: It's a struggle. It's an absolute struggle. I got to be honest with you. Going back to the example of rain, that was the case. Actually, I wrote a piece called Nocturne in A minor, um, a couple of years ago. And what it does is it has like this rhythmic pattern going on in the hands. I tend to do that quite often. And so even with the song rain. It kind of started that way. And then listening to the playback during the session, I was just like, oh, that's way too busy. And it was like, it was the complete opposite of what I was trying to do. And so I went back in to record it again, and I tried to reduce the amount of those busy notes, if you will. So like... And I'd go back and I'd listen. I was like, it's still too much. I need to make it even more simple. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I almost like tied my left hand behind my back. I'm just like, no, just keep it simple. Just really open. As an artist, it's really difficult because like, we want to be creative. We want to like push the envelope, but then I have to turn around and say, well, am I creating for the mind or am I creating for the heart and for the, the listener, their emotion and what they're going through right now. This is about creating music. That's really going to affect people and to help them through things in life. And that's what I want to write for.
1: Do you think the mind and heart need be mutually exclusive when we're writing music or when we're approaching music? Do you think the audience today has to choose?
0: I think it goes back to there's something for everyone to listen to. I think for me personally, when someone listens to to Chad Lawson or when they listen to this album, Stay, I think for them it's more of like a meditative process listening-wise. And then afterwards, they may go put on the Goldberg variations, right? And just be like, ah, you know, or vice versa, where it's like you have those days where Murray Pry is my favorite pianist. I love his playing. So I'll listen to that and then I'll listen to Nine Inch Snell's. It really just kind of, whatever the mood is, right? Like Trent Reznor is probably not trying to emulate what. Murray is doing and and obviously vice versa and so I think that's okay so I, I think for me I'm not trying I'm not trying to write for both I'm not trying to write for Hetty because I mean if that were the case I would go back and release a lot of jazz because I love jazz I love playing jazz I love the color of jazz I love how cerebral it is but I think for me personally that's not what I want people to recognize as my music You have two styles of classical listeners, let's call it. You have what I kind of nickname the Spotify generation. And then you have the people that have been listening to classical for their entire life. When I did the Chopin album years ago, that album was really meant for a younger audience that has never heard Chopin before. And so that's really what I've been aiming my entire career once I moved away from jazz as far as like merging or or marrying those that are not familiar with classical music to eventually pull them along. And what was amazing about the Chopin thing is I thought I would get so much pushback, but surprisingly, I didn't. Most of the response, if not all the response was, you know what, I'm actually not familiar with Chopin and now I'm really kind of curious. I actually want to go back and listen to what his pieces were like. And that was just like, oh, that's it. They get it. They get it. They get it. So, you know, even with Stay, half of the album is meant for mood-based listening. And the other album is a little bit towards the more core
1: classical listeners. So I'm trying to clear the gap and bridge those. I'm of the Spotify generation, but I listen to a lot of classical music. And a lot of my peers, they'll say, oh, I found this classical music that I love. Do you know this guy, Ludovico Einaudi? And, and, you know, it's just amazing to me that he can sell out Radio City three nights in a row and and create this extraordinary concert experience. But I'm wondering if there's that same, like, ambassadorial impetus behind the way he works. It seems like you feel like the ultimate goal of, of a project like the Chopin Variations or your Bach is to actually help make that music more accessible. And, and you don't want to hide the fact that that's the impetus for it.
0: Absolutely. And I think what's happened now with this younger generation and also with streaming radio is it's kind of erased those lines to where we are seeing more crossover and also just curiosity. I think that there is a huge resurgence in classical music, particularly coming from Europe right now. Like you have Oliver Arnolds and Max Richter, and you have, you know, Unati that you're talking about, where like if you were to speak to a someone from that Spotify generation, let's just keep using that title, and say, Hey, you know that's classical music. And they'll look at you and they'll say, So? What's the big deal? And so there's an audience for this. I think what the audience actually really is, is people are starting to say, I just want to hear something that's really beautiful and speaks to my soul. Last year, there was a Rolling Stone article. I felt like the guy was kind of slightly taking a jab at me. And he goes, are you okay with your music being sleepy music? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We have space for everything. You know, Philip Glass says it best. It's like, there's a lot of music out there. You don't have to like all of it. So when when the guy was just like, you know, are you okay with your music, just being sleepy music? And I'm like, yeah, because there's a place for that. Because right now we have so many things pulling at us and so many distractions that we like, we've forgotten that we need to breathe.
1: So what do you think is next? What's what's the next thing here for classical music? And, and maybe is there a definitional change that's required for us to, to understand it and for it to grow going forward?
0: I think the idea of classical music is letting go. Like letting go of what we understand it to be. And I think I personally, as far as classical music and the way I'm viewing it, is I'm beginning to see where things are becoming much more open stylistically where you are seeing things and hearing combinations of be it classical crossovers or just something in the vein that you're not used to hearing you have someone you know going back to let's just say Max Richter i i think a lot of younger people are growing up hearing max's music as it being classical music i think that's amazing my largest listening demo is the 18 to like 28 range you're like what how is that possible this is like sleepy music quote unquote and then i started thinking about it and those are the people that are doing what the most they're studying they're reading they're having something on while they're doing a mental activity if you will Now come Friday, my numbers, they drop like a rock because this isn't what you want to listen to on the weekend. But come Sunday night, foom, they come up and they're high all through the week. And so in their mind, this is
1: what classical music may be to them. Fantastic. Chad, thanks so much for being with us.
0: Zeph, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
1: That was my guest, pianist Chad Lawson. His new album, Stay, is out now on DECA. This interview was produced by Max Fine and Rosa Gollin. Our executive producer is Lucas Krohn-Grimberga, and our technical producer is George Wellington. We'll be dropping more interviews over the next couple of weeks, so sign up to WQXR, Classical New York in Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. and Keep an eye out for us at WQXR.org. I'm Zev Kane. Thanks for listening.